You're listening to the Smash Your Unsealing podcast. I'm your host, Barbara Nixon, and I'm so excited you're here. This is a place for you to boost your confidence, become limitless, and grow like never before. Because there's one thing I know for sure, success begins with you. Let's get started. Hey, Barbara here, and welcome to another episode of the Smasher and Ceiling podcast. And Happy New Year! It's now 2023, and I'm so excited for everything that this year is going to store for us. And I've got loads of things planned for you as well. And I'm starting the year strong because there's a couple of things that I want to invite you to right here in January. Now, the first thing starts on the 30th of January, and it is my five-day Smash on Scene in Boot Camp. Now, this is a challenge that I started about three years ago now, I think. And I had about 12 months off. We took a break for 12 months, and I had so many messages saying, where's the challenge? Bring back the challenge. We love it. So your wish is my command. And we start on the 30th of January for five days. It is especially for you if you are a business owner or a leader and you're doing okay, but you know that you're secretly playing small, that you're holding yourself back and getting in your own way and you are ready for more. Now in those five days, it is high vibe, right? It's going to be high energy. And in those five days, I'm going to be sharing tips and techniques that you can use for a lifetime to help you go out there, shine your light with confidence and get the results that you really, really want. Now, the second thing that I want to share is that after the the challenge in February, the Smasher and Ceiling 14-week group coaching program begins. Now, this is for you, again, if you are ready for so much more, you are sick of going around in circles, you are fed up of Groundhog Day, now is your time, right? You want to go out there and literally show the world who you always were all along. Now, there's no more playing small, no more holding yourself back. We are literally rewiring your thinking and getting you out there and make, taking action with confidence. If this sounds exactly your cup of tea and exactly what you need, then I'm pleased to tell you it is on pre-sale right now. And it's especially good for you if you're the type of person that likes to take your time and digest content and digest training, uh, just uh, take your time to do that. So you can actually jump in, take advantage of the pre-sale price and save your space and go through the content, go through all of the training in the members area so that when we start the live calls in February, you are ahead of the game. You are ready. Now, in February, we are jumping on Zoom every single week for 14 weeks. All the calls will be recorded, by the way. For 14 weeks, I will be your coach supporting you every step of the way. We are going to work together in an intimate group if this sounds like your cup of tea, if this sounds like something that you really that you really need this year, and if you'd like me to be your coach this year, this is the perfect time to do it. For both the the coaching program and the challenge, go to barbaranixon.co.uk forward slash join, and you'll find all the information that you need to to register. Okay, so now on to today's episode because I've got something fantastic that I want to share. I had the most lovely conversation with the fabulous Brooke Bounds. Now, Brooke is an accredited trauma coach, therapist, and global number one best-selling author, and she works with midlife women who struggle with mother wounds and want to heal those wounds, find their power, 
confidence and release their trauma so they can go for their goals. She's passionate about this as she once felt powerless and was scared to show up in the world as herself. She then started working on her mindset, discovered who she was and loved the feeling of in, in loved the feeling of inner contentment and confidence and she went from scared to speaking on stage now in this conversation we talk about her experience having a narcissistic mum how to actually recognize if your mum is a narcissist the symptoms of how that will present itself in you as an adult and practical steps that you can take to move forwards it is such an interesting conversation packed with practical tips so Without further ado, let's dive in. So I'm so excited that you're here, Brooke. This has been a conversation that I've been really, really looking forward to. Um, so I know that we've spoken briefly before this conversation, but I'd love it if you could introduce yourself in your own words and tell us more about what you do. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, as you can see, my name is Brooke Bounds and I'm actually the trauma breakthrough queen. And I was dubbed that by a couple of my clients because I'm very quick at helping people to break through the reason they're stuck and where their traumas come from. So I'm very, very passionate about that because I grew up with a, a narcissistic mother and I've kind of turned my pain into my passion. And now I help midlife women to um, heal from the mother wound. And I'm very sort of passionate about raising awareness about the mother wound because a lot of women don't realize that their mothers are actually narcissists they just think oh that's the way our family's always been or that's the way the women are in our family or that's the way my mother's always been and that's their their norm because that's the only thing they've known but once they realize that their mothers are actually narcissists or they've got you know a lot of narcissistic traits they can understand it more and they realize it's not all about what they've done it's it's instead of not what's wrong with me but what's happened to me and it can change the whole way they look at their life and how they go forward in their life because a lot of women who've had narcissistic mothers suffer with low self-esteem low self-confidence they self-sabotage they procrastinate and all this is to do with the trauma that they've had you know growing up as children with a narcissistic mother who's very very dominant they're very overcritical they're very judgmental they often they're physically but emotionally they're completely not there at all because they're not capable of those emotions so um I'm very very passionate and hence why I'm doing a lot of podcasts to raise awareness of, of this so women can realize that they don't have to carry on living their life how they have been that they can choose to look at it differently and, and have different beliefs about themselves and about their lives yeah oh so much there that I kind of want to unpack it's the and I know that this is going to be something that so many people who are listening uh, interested in. So let's look at your own relationship. When did you start to realize that you had a narcissistic mother? Not until my late 30s. I always knew that she had issues because she told me that like, when she was younger that um, she didn't get on with her mother and her mum and dad split up and her dad remarried. And back then, because um, I was born in the early 60s, but when she was a lot younger, kids were often put like in children's home and then sort of brought out when it suited so she was in and out of children's home and I just thought that she just had a really tough childhood and that's what the reason she was like she was and um she was very jealous and she was a very bitter person so I just kind of thought that was just the way she was and and she just didn't like me she told me quite often that she hated me and she wished that I died at birth because I was actually born with a cord around my neck so she said, you know, she often used to throw in my face. That I didn't even have the audacity to be born properly. Um, 
so yeah so I got all sorts of comments like that so I just thought that you know first I'd done something wrong and she didn't like me you know I thought well maybe because I wasn't born normal as she put it that that's why she didn't like me so it was all about how I was not realizing that it was something to do with with her so it wasn't until my late 30s I realized actually she is a narcissist and when I started studying about narcissistic traits and things it's like it all fit in I was a scapegoat and you know when you're the scapegoat you get the brunt of everything you know I was like her emotional and physical punch bag you know on a daily basis and what was it that made you start to explore narcissism was it was it a conversation that you had with somebody where you thought actually this is a bit closer to home than I realized and then that led you through the journey or did you just start to you know, your self-awareness started to just heighten um which started your, your, your journey it was a bit of both really because I I then went on a lot a lot of women do the classic thing of going from a narcissistic mother into a narcissistic relationship and I had two narcissistic relationships I was a bit slow learning of picking up the, the signs and stuff and I was having a conversation with, with um, a friend once and they said oh you know they sound like they're a narcissist like my friend's ex-husband I was like oh that's interesting so I started looking up narcissism and then it got to looking up about you know narcissistic parents and you know I was always like looking at things about toxic families and toxic because I knew that that the relationship between me and my mother wasn't a normal relationship once I got older but I didn't quite think put the two and two together to get them as like they, she was a narcissist until I was like in my late 30s and this is why I'm so passionate about talking to women because a lot of them don't realize you know because we just we grow up with that that woman and we think that's that's just normal because that is our normal life so we don't tend to question it but when people realize it's like, oh my goodness yeah and when I get on calls with, with um oh, to my potential clients I can tell them near enough word for word what their mothers would have said to them like how do you know it's like like you know you've got my mother in the room I said because I've got a mother just like it and that they're, they're all very similar they say the very similar things because I understand that narcissistic mothers have got really really deep inner child wounds that you know they really are hurting they're really really sad they're really unhappy but they won't acknowledge that they've got those those wounds and they're basically scared little children in adults bodies so once we understand that can work through that we can then either have a relationship that we can deal with with our parents or with our mothers, or we can decide, decide right, I don't want them in my life anymore, and then just move on and not have them in, and go no contact with them. Hmm. And what what symptoms would you be looking out for then? Because I know you mentioned a few, but is there anything, you know, a day-to-day -day occurrence that would happen that you think, actually, this is classic narcissism here? Yeah, anything where if you're talking about your feelings, um, and it's funny, I've just done a reel about that. When you feel like you want to pull your hair out because you're you're trying to have a conversation, a rational conversation, saying, you know, I feel X, Y, and Z about this, you know, and trying to explain how you feel, they will turn it round and twist it so it ends up being all about how they feel. And and I classic one was like, you know oh, you know, you don't appreciate me. You don't love me after all I did for you. After all, I gave birth to you. So it, it that turn it around and making you feel guilty for expressing your feelings because you learn be, having a narcissistic mother to suppress your feelings rather than express them. So this is what I help my clients do to, to learn it's okay to express your feelings. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be sad. 
whatever feelings, it's okay to be happy. Because a lot of children of narcissistic mothers are scared to be happy because if they're happy, their mothers don't like it because they see their, especially their daughters as a threat to them and they want to mold them into like their ideal versions of themselves. So if they're happy and, and enjoying life, the narcissistic mother isn't a happy person. She doesn't love herself very much. So it's that I don't want anybody to be happy around me because it reminds me of how unhappy I am. So they will twist anything around. They have to be the center of attention as well. It's a classic sign of, of narcissism that they will twist anything around. They will create a drama. They don't care who they hurt in the process. If anybody gets hurt in the process of doing that, they will just do whatever they need to do. So their inner child wounds are soothed. Mm. rather than worrying about how, how anybody else feels I mean one of the things that my mother often used is she'd come out and say things I'm like why did you say that well I'll just speak the truth but that was how she saw it you know and she would come out with some awful things but to her it was like it was okay but she was just speaking the truth mm-hmm. her truth yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so what well if we recognize this in our mothers and, and I just want to kind of clarify is it is this predominantly a, a, a mother and daughter relationship or, you know, obviously it can affect men as well. And, you know, absolutely. Yeah. The, the mother wound, particularly um, mothers tend to sort of like if they've got daughters, they tend the daughters tend to suffer more for it. Right. Um, but it can happen with, with sons as well. You know, narcissistic mothers can be like it with their sons. Narcissistic fathers can be like it with their children. Um, but I tend to sort of like, specialize more on narcissistic mothers but yeah you know any parent a mother or a a father can be a narcissist you know and a lot of my clients have got narcissistic fathers Mm. you know and often the other parent ends up being like a codependent and 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 that's how it sort of starts out because like with with me when um growing up I I end up being like codependent like being a people pleaser and it's like being a magnet to to partners for narcissism that they kind of like sort of like get attracted to us and we we are there being their codependent because we can sue their wounds because we want to fix everybody we want everybody to be happy because we weren't happy as children yeah. so it's that ongoing cycle but when you realize that actually we can't fix them because you know it's the work they need to do themselves and the, the best gift we can give anybody is to is to work on our own healing mm, oh yeah absolutely and is that what you did so you recognize that your mum um and and you had this relationship that your mum was a narcissist and you started doing loads of research around this tell me more about how your your story actually continued well it's interesting really um I I never had a great relationship with my mother and my mother never had a great relationship with my grandmother and um I got into personal development books in my early 20s and I had two two boys and um I was very keen on working on my mindset thinking because once I'd got married to my first narcissist it was suddenly a realization that the common factor was me so it's like maybe if I change people around me will be different as well so I I worked on like my mindset really really heavily and um one of the turning points was I got pregnant with my third child and I happened to see a friend I hadn't seen for a while and I just came out of the supermarket and she quite innocently said oh you know, you've got two lovely little boys. I bet you'd love a little girl this time. And it was a sudden like, <gasps> no, I, I, I don't I don't think I do want a little girl because what happens if I had that same relationship with my daughter that my I had with my mum and my mum had with her mother? 
thought, no, you know, I'd be happy to have another little boy because <laughs> I had a great relationship with my, my, my boys. So it was that kind of, so then I kind of really upped the working on my mindset. But it, I didn't realize at the time that trauma gets stuck in the body and what you feel, you know, we have information goes from our body to our mind is 80% and only 20% is from our mind to our bodies. So I, I was working really, really heavily on my mindset, doing things, but still feeling that fear and thinking, well, I've got a strong mindset. I'll just go through and do it anyway. And um, fortunately, I did go on and have two little girls. Um, they're now 28 and 29 and they're like my best friends. So that story ended really, really happily. So for anybody out there thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, I don't want to have children or I don't want to have a daughter. You can be that cycle breaker. And, and I know I'm that cycle breaker and it won't go on because trauma can go on through seven generations. But it stopped with me. You know, I broke that cycle. And it's like lovely seeing my grandchildren now being really confident because of the way I brought my children up, they are then sort of like bringing their children up to, to be who, who they are, you know, not trying to change them and mold them into anything different. So um, then I got into like realizing that something still wasn't quite right because I could do things, but it was like panic and fears. Like my heart would be pounding, my palms would be sweaty. I'd be really, really tense, but I'd do it anyway. And it's like realizing that, the trauma that was stuck in my body because until we release and heal from the trauma our bodies will relieve that trauma every day like it's happened that day even if it happened when we were six or we were seven so what I help my clients do is to date stamp that trauma into the past so they're not reliving it every day so they can actually their bodies in aligned with their their mind because so many clients come to me and say I know I can do it you know I've got the skills I've got the knowledge I've got the education but and they'll actually go forward and they'll go, but something's just stopping me. Like there's a, an invisible wall. And it's like, and what's stopping them is their bodies. Because if they start speaking out and being seen and being heard, their bodies are going, no, no, that's not safe. No, no, not doing that. And we will think of something different. And we have what's called protector parts. So I want you to imagine that we've got our inner child who's like scared because of the things that happened as a, as a child. We've got ourselves as an adult. And the protector parts will come in. So say, for instance, a classic one with some of my clients is in, are in business. They want to do a Facebook Live, but they thought of doing a Facebook Live. They just procrastinate. They get stuck. And the procrastination is a part that comes in to protect that inner child because that inner child is scared. Thinking, you know, if we speak out and we're being seen on camera, we're going to get into trouble. So we're not going to do that. That's not safe. So in comes the protector part. like a, And it's like a, an army of soldiers. They come in to, to protect you because when you procrastinate, you stay small and you stay safe. So the, the procrastinating parts like tick, job done. I've kept Brooke small. I've kept her safe. Mm. And I, can, I can just like disappear now. So I did amazing things. You know, procrastinate. I was a queen of procrastinating. Um, and I'm not sure if, you, if you've got one of these drawers, but most people have. You know, the drawer in the kitchen that's got all yeah. bits and pieces in. Like the odd, yeah. Pen, yeah, the odd pen top, elastic band or whatever. I even had that straightened and tidy rather than do oh. a Facebook Live, because it was like <clears throat> straightening my highlighter pens and colour order, you know, anything rather than actually do what I wanted to do. So once I realised it was the trauma doing that, and I really got into the studying that and taking courses on that. And, and that's what I now do is I help women to release and heal from that trauma so they can do go on and do what they've got the skills and the education already to do. 
Yeah, yeah. So there's so much that I want to unpick from what you've said. Um, so if we can kind of go back a little bit, because you mentioned about trauma being stuck in our bodies, it gets stuck in our bodies. How can we identify that? And what can we actually do? What practical things can we do to start releasing it or just to acknowledge it and start to raise our self-awareness about it? Well, one of the things is that you'll notice uh, when you go to do something that um, you know you, you're capable of doing, okay, like if I said to you, right, go do a Facebook Live and you suddenly go, <gasps> mm-hmm. that's like your body going, Ooh. no, it tenses up, your shoulders will go up, you, your jaw will clench because that's your body physically stopping you speaking. So it's like, okay, so drop your jaw, drop your shoulders and just do some nice breathing. And I do that what I call a five, two, eight. It's like inhale uh, for a count of five through your nose, hold for a count of two, and then exhale counting backwards of eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Mm-hmm. And repeat that a couple of times because what that does, it slows your heart rate down, which then sends a signal to your subconscious mind. that If your heart rate's a normal pace, a resting pace, you're not in danger because if you think about it if if you're if you suddenly hear a noise and think somebody's chasing you your heart will, will race and you'll you'll get ready to either run or to fight so your your mind has got gone into to not thinking your body's going into action and that's what's happening with people when they say i want to do a facebook live but my mind just goes blank mm. it's because they've triggered their nervous system so they're in that fight flight or freeze where you're in action mode rather than actually thinking from the front part of your brain so you the words won't come out and it's often when I talk to clients when I first talk to them on their first session that I don't really know how to say it I completely understand that just just say it even if it feels like it's coming out gobbledygook just say it and we'll unpick it and I see them go oh and then they relax and then they they start and then they'll say to me that's the first time I've been actually been able to say that and it makes sense I don't know what you've you done but that was magic but it was because I gave them the space and the permission just to let it out however it's going to come out it doesn't have to be perfect because again being through trauma perfectionism is, is another trauma response because as children we try to be as perfect as possible to please our parents to please our, our narcissistic mother or our narcissistic father so it's like understanding that and when you're trauma-informed, you understand how people feel, especially being nervous because they don't know what's going to happen in their very first session and things. So it's that realisation that whatever you do, some people don't realise, you know, they'll go, they'll go like that yeah. and they'll be tense. It's like, you know, a lot of um, people I work with suffer a lot with headaches, neck aches, shoulder aches, because that's where the, the trauma is stored because they're constantly like, without realising it, so I can say, just drop your shoulders. Like, oh, I didn't realise I, I had raised my shoulders. Yeah, yeah. It's just happening subconsciously, you know, the tense in their body subconsciously. Because as children, we tensed up and, and tried to stay small, to stay safe. It's, it's a, a reaction. to Again, you, you go as small as you possibly can. So actually dropping your shoulders and sitting up, that's making yourself bigger. And it's like, no, that's too dangerous. I'll, I'll just stay really, really small. Mm-hmm. And that's safer that way. So yeah. it's recognising and being aware how your body's reacting because if you um are doing something that you absolutely love or going to see somebody you you absolutely love you're all relaxed and you just go off and do it and you enjoy it you don't have a headache and you don't but if you've got a presentation to do at work and you don't like being speaking out because when you was a child it was dangerous you're going to be quite often tensed up and 
you can end up with like a really bad headache or migraine where you have to postpone the presentation. That's your body's way of protecting you saying, okay, if I give you a bad headache, you won't have to do the presentation tick. We've kept you safe and small, <laughs> you know. So, you know, pain is another, another identification that you've got trauma in your body because it has to come out somewhere. Obviously, you know, if clients say to me that they've got a pain somewhere, I always get them to check it out with the doctor in case it is a physical thing. But often they'll say, well, I've been to the doctor about my back and they said there's absolutely nothing wrong. And then we'll work in a session and I'll say, how's that pain in your shoulders? And I'm like, oh, oh, actually, it, I haven't got a pain, pain there anymore because we've released it. And they're like, oh, my goodness, that, that's amazing. So I also help people release a lot of pain. When I was younger, I used to have a constant like lower back ache. And then when I started to heal on my healing journey, that disappeared. But then I used to have like shoulder pains and shoulder aches. And I used to get horrendous like headaches when I was pushing myself to do things with that fear thing. But I realized now what I was doing. But now, you know, I don't have any shoulder ache, any neck ache. And I can't remember the last time I actually had a headache. Yeah, yeah. It's so powerful, isn't it? Just recognizing and, and, and leaning in, checking in with what actually is going on in our body. Because when our bodies, yeah, they're always talking to us, they're always communicating with us, but we don't listen because as children, our feelings weren't important. We're very intuitive as children and we'll, we'll stop and rest when we want to and we'll cry when we're sad, you know, and, and we'll show our feelings. But as we go along, you know, and what happens with a narcissistic mother, because they've got a, a deep inner wound of not feeling good enough, they want to mold their children to being these perfect children. So other people think they're a good enough parent. Yeah, right. So, so it's that knock on, on effect. So we then suppress all our feelings and they're buried so, so deep. You know, and I get people come to me and say, I feel really, really angry, but I just can't express it. You know, and, and I'll say, well, you know, go and just punch a pillow, really just punch a pillow, but do it in like slow motion, because when you do it in slow motion, you're giving your body that chance to understand it's releasing all that, that mm -hmm. anger, you know, do something that you're not going to hurt yourself or hurt anybody else, because anger is a natural emotion, like any other emotion, but we, we're brought up, don't get angry, yeah. don't be upset, don't cry, yes. you know, I didn't cry for years because as a child, I wasn't allowed to cry because if I cried, I'll get something. I was given something to cry for. Or if I cried, you know, when my dad was about after she'd, she'd um, either verbally or physically abused me, I would get even more the, the next time that we were on our own. So I learned not to cry. But crying is a natural way of, of releasing our emotions. And it's you know a really good way to cleanse it. So as soon as my clients cry, I start cheering. And I said, I know that sounds unusual, oh, but it's it's great and then they feel more relaxed to cry the next time and you know nine times out of ten they're crying when the first few sort of sessions when they're releasing all that that emotion like oh my goodness I feel so much better now yes yeah just getting it out and just again like I said we said just recognizing that this this is something that we can actually release it's not trapped in there forever and i think that's what's coming out loud and clear just listening to you it's not contained in your body forever it's something that we can release and it's a lot simpler than what you actually realize just taking yeah. that time to breathe or to learn to cry or punching the pillow in slow motion these are great tips that we can do every single day and learn to just start becoming a little bit more self-aware and a bit more in tune with our bodies and one of the big things I'm always talking about is getting curious. Mm -hmm. Get curious as to what triggers you off. What's triggered you off to make you go, 
like that all of a sudden and it's like when you know your trigger you can then work okay well where's that belief come from you know because I have so many clients come to me say oh you know I'm just so stupid yeah like actually are you or is that something you heard over and over again as a child you know like I was told I was clumsy so I was like I'm I'm clumsy and when you say I am it's a bit like your subconscious mind sits up and goes oh okay what we're doing because Mm. if you say I am your subconscious mind okay right that's that's what she wants or that's what he wants so but if you say okay I've got a clumsy part that's come up you know once I started saying that was a clumsy thing I did rather than saying I am clumsy I stopped being so clumsy because I wasn't like saying that's what I wanted to be because that what you sort of say more and more to yourself is what you get more of so I would walk into more things because I kept telling my subconscious mind that I'm a clumsy person so okay well that's what she wants so I'll create things where she has to walk into things you know so true that we own it when when we start a sentence with I am we're owning that um so it's just about reframing it I used to say all the time oh I'm I am disorganized because I always used to lose lose my kids I'm always losing something I'm disorganized and once I realized that that I'm not disorganized I'm actually a really organized person it was just that one thing I just lose my keys sometimes and I reframed it I started all of a sudden I it started to change you know I started to keep my keys and find them and, and be a little bit more careful with them and things shifted really really quickly so it's again it's a simple thing just to be aware of your language but I love what you said about curiosity I'm a massive fan of being curious because it's it's so powerful in all aspects isn't it just start to look Mm. at ourselves differently and in that moment when we get triggered or something happens to make us tense up it's so powerful even if you can't do it then and there to just take some time out afterwards and go okay what was it what was that what was that what happened in that moment and even write it down and log it and have a bit of a, a a journal that's designated to just doing a little bit of research and experimenting about things yeah and I've got a great story about curiosity that I'd love to tell because it's a really powerful story that will bring home because we get triggered a lot by what other people say but it's like get curious as why did they say that you know what it triggered off in you and what belief is is going on inside of you now about 25 probably 30 years ago now I worked in the checkout in the supermarket and I had this little lady come through. She was very well dressed in a tweed jacket, matching pearly earrings and necklace, all made up. She was in, the, in her, probably in her 80s. And she came through my checkout. Now, I was a big people pleaser back then. I couldn't bear the thought of anybody not liking me. And so I was like really cheerful and happy. Oh, hello, how are you? And her face was like fun. I thought, what have I done to upset her? Oh, my goodness. And my heart was pounding. And so the whole time I was sorting out her, her groceries, I was trying to, to, to like, smile at her chat to her nothing and when she went I thought oh thank goodness for that and I felt awful and that night I went home and said oh my goodness this this I've upset this little old lady in the shop I don't know what I've done and I spent a couple of days thinking about it and I kind of forgot about it then the next week same time same day I saw her in the supermarket oh, please don't come through my checkup but she came through again I thought why why does she hate me what why is she put me through this what is it I've done? Why does she hate me? And this went on for four or five weeks. And then and at the fifth or the sixth week, she put a big bouquet of flowers on the conveyor belt. And I thought, right, got you. It must be her birthday or somebody's birthday. She's going to smile. She's going to chat to me. She's going to see I'm a lovely person. So my, my belief system was she hated me. She didn't think I was a nice person. So that story was running in my head. 
and I and what she said next going to knock me down with the feather I said oh that's such a beautiful bouquet of flowers is it your birthday or a friend's birthday she goes no my dear she said they're for you and as you can probably tell I, I quite like talking and I went uh, 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 and that's she said yeah she said I, I wanted to tell you she said but I couldn't say anything before she said because my husband's been at end of care and when the carers used to come in I used to come and do my shopping and I quickly realized that you no matter how I felt you were really smiling really happy and you've helped me through these last five weeks and I don't know what I'd have done without you but I couldn't tell you because I didn't want to cry in front of everybody in the supermarket because she was very well you know I've got a lot of pride in herself she said well, I just wanted to say thank you very much so my story I was running was she hates me she wants to make my life miserable. What have I done wrong? And her story was, this woman's really, really lovely. I can just, you know, get on with my shopping and not have to talk. And because she was obviously nearly into tears if she just spoke. So I was running this completely different story. So from then on, I got curious about what's going on in their life for them to be acting like that. So if somebody gets angry at me and I think, oh, wonder what's going on in their life for them to get angry rather than me thinking what have I done wrong yes. and bringing it all back back to you and I always do think um whenever I go and talk on stage or do like talk in front of a lot of people with us in the zoom I will say I'm going to say something now that none of you are going to believe and they will kind of like look at me think about quite a big sweeping statement and I'll say you're all purple aliens and yeah and I normally get that kind of smile like, okay where's Brooke going with this yeah. because you immediately thought okay what where's Brooke going with that because you don't believe for one minute that you're a purple alien so you've already batted it back to me to think okay where's Brooke going with that because yeah. that's not in your belief system at all yeah. now if you suffered with you know anxiety and I said oh uh, Barbara you look like you're a bit anxious today you'd go oh oh am mm -hmm. I do I yeah is it you know because I'm not smiling or and you would you would t take that on what I said yeah. because your belief system is that you're anxious you're anxious so when you when something happens and somebody says something to you and you get triggered, instead of thinking, what have I done wrong? There's a couple of things you can do is, is A, think what's going on in their life for them to act like that. And B, what belief system am I running about myself that that's triggered me off? Because if somebody comes up to me now and says to me, Brooke, you're absolutely useless. And you'll never amount to anything, which is what my mother used to say to me as a child, I would quite calmly say to them that's your opinion and you're entitled to it but that's that's not what I believe mm. and I wouldn't I wouldn't go <gasps> yeah. oh yeah yeah I won't I won't I won't amount to anything you know I, I better not speak out on that zoom call because you know who's going to listen to me anyway because I I know my own self-worth and I've got a diff completely different belief system now to what I had when I was a child growing up and a, mm. and a young teenager as well so it, it's really um getting curious about people around you and and where that their triggers are coming off in you it's like because what happened is what you've got those triggers they may have served you well as a child to keep you safe but they're not doing you any any service now so it's like thinking about as an adult are they true now you know so if you think oh I can't put this post out because what will people think of me or they'll think you know who does she think she is for for putting that post out actually is that true because if you know your stuff if you know if you've got the knowledge and the skills you know it's great that you're sharing them to help other people in whatever it is that you're helping them with
Mm, absolutely oh so much good stuff in there first of all I just want to say I love your story you're of the lady in the checkouts I was filling up I thought this oh, yeah, everybody does lady. It. you know I just want to give her a big hug but it just goes to show in fact I had this similar conversation with a one-to-one client yesterday where they had a tricky um I don't know, a tricky meeting a tricky we'll go through a tricky relationship with one of their colleagues and we had a good conversation about what, what's going on with them. There's a lot here that we don't know about that, you know, let's let's look at that. So often we look at ourselves, don't we? And we think, mm. right, what is it that we've done wrong? Where are we, you know, how are we showing up? And this is where curiosity really comes into its own. Because when we're curious, there's no judgment. We're coming from a different place, a different perspective. We're yeah. able to look at ourselves from a, take our... our uh, our lenses our sunglasses off a little bit and go okay right okay if this was somebody else if this was a, di- a puzzle that we were figuring out what's going on because once we do that we're able to kind of unpick things a little bit more aren't we absolutely yeah and I think this is it's, it's a habit that we could get into and this is why I love keeping journals and records of right well, this is what happened this is when I got triggered this is what what I'm believing in this this point is it true? And just asking yourself that really lovely, uh, simple, so super simple question: Is this true? Yeah. So often the answer is no. Yeah, and the d- default is because we think, oh, what have I done wrong? Is because when we were little, it's like, oh, you've just done that wrong. You've just we were told we were doing yeah. things wrong all the time. So we, so it's like it's ingrained in us, and, and we we're kind of conditioned that way to think it's my fault. You know, because I behave that way, my mum is upset. Yes, because I did that, my mum is now angry. Because I did that, you know, this isn't going to happen. But actually, that's not the case. It, it's nothing to do with us. Actually, it's just how our mothers felt, yeah. you know, or our fathers felt. And it's it's their inner child wounds that they haven't dealt with and, and won't heal. And, you know, and back in you know when I was young in the sixties, um, early seventies, there wasn't anything of therapy and counselling. So like when my parents were were young, they wouldn't have had anything. They were told, you know, just you know stop crying stop being a baby get on with it as well so it's a generational thing as well we're we're brought up with that so it's understanding that that yes what your mother's doing is abuse there's no excuse because abuse is abuse but it's when you start to understand where they're coming from and realizing that actually they're not some kind of person that you put on a pedestal that they are everything they say is right basically narcissistic people are adults who have got an you know they're a little child in an adult's body because if you now if you start to look at a narcissistic person you can see them having the temper temper tantrums like a like a two-year-old would when they spit the dummy out the pram when things don't go their way that's what they're doing and when they spit the dummy out and the thing is they project all their hurt and it's a bit like when they project the hurt out to you and you've got it they've given it to you they, they don't have to own it and take any responsibility for it so it's, it's that, that if I gave you a gift, that gift is now yours. It's, it's nothing to do with me. I don't own it. And if you drop it and break it, that's your responsibility and not mine. So that's how narcissists do it. They, they soothe their own wounds by projecting all their hurt out. And that's what they're projecting out. They're projecting out their hurt, their sadness, their unhappiness. But because of the way that we were brought up, we take it on as our fault, as our responsibility, where actually it's not. You know, we don't have to, you know, do the things that our mothers want us to do just because, you know, she'll kick off because 
that's that's her issue that's her responsibility it's it's not ours she's responsible for her own emotions we're responsible for our emotions Mm. and just getting to that point again is so powerful you know that point with, with that realization of actually she's responsible for her emotions I'm responsible for mine and that's it but that moment that's I think that's probably that's where freedom lives isn't it yeah yeah and it's putting those boundaries in place because when we're growing up we don't have those boundaries and anytime we do try and assert something of a boundary we got in trouble for it so we then thought okay it's not safe so we become people pleasers but when we become adults and, and work our way through that with my clients when they start putting boundaries in if they're still in contact with their mothers I said look that your mother will kick off like a toddler is not getting their own way they will spit the dummy out that thing and it's like it's amazing and I said they will use all sorts of things because guilt and shame are two big things that keep people quiet and they'll keep you know people doing what their mothers want them to do because the mothers will guilt them and shame them into doing things but it's like when they understand that they're like okay well I'm I'm not going to do that anymore yeah you know that's your choice it's the boundaries that you want to put in you know like with Christmas coming up if people talk about oh yeah I've got to have my mother over but I don't have to yeah but what will people think of me well people will think what they think you know and but because we're we're so ingrained in like oh yeah we have to do that well we should be doing this it's like and when somebody starts saying I should be like that shooting all over yourself that's just a sense of duty that's a sense of guilt that's out of a sense of you know yeah I'm, I'm going to do that because I should do it you know not because I want to it's like what do you want to do for Christmas do you want to have your mother over or your father over or whoever well then don't have them yes yeah, yeah but my siblings will create and kick up fast we'll get say to them have have mother over at yours then yeah exactly <laughs> the the sentence that you said I just kind of want to highlight it put a ring around it you know underline it all the things bubble point to it neon lights what boundaries do you want yeah so that that sentence right what boundaries do you actually want because we talk about boundaries, we talk about things that, you know, about protecting ourselves in terms of boundaries, but there, there's always the ability to manipulate your boundaries to include the shoulds and the obligations and the and the guilt trips and all the rest of it. And it, when we take all of that away and we think, actually, what is it that I want? Yeah. <laughs> what do I want my Christmas to look like? What do I want this this um holiday to look like we had a conversation around this for mother's day actually in our house mm. i'm not a massive fan of mother's day and i sat down and thought what what do i want for mother's day and the kids were going oh but you have to you have to have everybody around i went no no i'm not doing that i'm just going to sit on my own and have a book and read a book because that would be a great day and once you you we start to train ourselves to go, what is it that I want? Mm. What does that, what do our boundaries, what do the boundaries look like for me? Again, like I said, this is where freedom really lifts, isn't it? And again, it's back to, you know, as a child, if you said, I want, like I wants don't get, mm. we were shut down straight away. So, so we, we stopped asking or saying what we wanted because that meant danger in some way, shape or form. So like when I first start working with clients, like, what, what do you want? And they often go, oh, I don't know. So, okay let's work it the other way what don't you want so they'll list a list long list of things that they don't want okay like so let's start flipping that to like what you want from that don't want list and it's amazing what comes out like oh that sounds wonderful but oh I don't think I could do that 
yeah yeah why can't you and then we'll we'll go into it and find out where where all the triggers have come from and where the beliefs have come from and and work on releasing those and and releasing the trauma associated with those so good so much here to work for work work with so I'm just looking at the clock and we we talk for ages on this topic (laughs) so deep it's so juicy and this I've got so many questions we might have to do a um a repeat and have you come back absolutely no problem amazing but I'd love to just kind of pick your brains about maybe three practical things and we've already touched on some actually three practical things that we can do if any of this is kind of striking a chord and, or maybe you're feeling the resistance, maybe you're recognising that you've got narcissistic, um, a narcissistic mother and you've got that relationship with your mum and you're ready to go on this healing journey. What are three things that we can start to do to kickstart this journey for ourselves? One is, is be aware of our bodies and be aware of the fact and actually acknowledge that our mother is a narcissist because that is a huge step, you know, and actually... To come out and say, my mother's a narcissist, that's a big thing for people to say. So acknowledge the fact that, you know, it's okay. You know, it's not any sort of um, reflection on you that your mother's a narcissist. You know, again, you're not responsible for her. You know, and reach out to somebody that's, that, you know, like me, that's trauma-informed, that can help you with that healing and with that trauma. But it's really being aware of your body and notice what triggers you off. Because once you start to realize what triggers you off, like we said, you can then start to, to work out to, to heal that. So until you know what it is, you won't know how to start to heal it. Mm-hmm. And it's noticing your body, like noticing when you're when you're tensing up, you know, do you tense up and, and walk around on eggshells with your mother? Because if you think, oh, I'm not sure if my mother is a narcissist, okay. So do you are you sort of like appeasing and making sure that she's happy? Because if she's not happy, she'll kick off. Do you tread on eggshells when you're around her? Are you very careful of what you talk to her about because certain subjects will just set her off? You know, it's when you're doing those sorts of things, it's, it's she's either a narcissist or she's got a lot of narcissistic traits and she's molded you to be that person that she wants you to be because what they love to do, narcissistic mothers see their daughters especially as like a threat to them. So what they like to do is to mold them into the, their ideal version of themselves. So they will do whatever that they can and whatever they, they they need to to get you to where they want you to be. So their wounds are, are sort of like soothed. They, they, they're not capable of caring about your emotions and how you feel because they see daughters as an extension of, of their children, as an extension of themselves to do what they, they please do. They don't see them as individual people and they're not capable of that emotional connection there with them because of the trauma that they've had. But bear in mind, narcissists have had a, a tra- traumatic time as a child, and that's why they've become narcissists. So, you know, bearing that in mind as well. But again, that doesn't excuse them because abuse is abuse, you know, and I'll never, ever excuse it. But it's understanding that so you can start to, to work with it and realise, OK, well, this will will happen and I know exactly what my mother will do when, when she's doing stuff because of the situation so you can like preempt it and then decide whether you want to be involved in it at all or not so it's mm-hmm. it's really you know and, and they will do things like they will ignore you they will completely blank you and and the hope that you'll come running to them to sue their and they do it to soothe their own needs, not because, you know, they want to be nasty to you. It's just because they need to soothe their needs. So if they if they blank you, you'll then come run to them and apologize. Oh, I'm really sorry that I said X, Y and Z and upset you. Or I'm sorry I did X, Y and Z, you know, to and upset you. So it's being aware of, of all those different things 
you know, to, to realize actually, yes, my mother's either got really strong narcissistic traits or she is actually a narcissist and I'm actually suffering from the mother wound of feeling, you know, if you've got those feelings of not feeling good enough, not feeling lovable, not feeling worthy or not feeling important, that's part of, you know, having the mother wound. And that will be stopping you moving forward in your life in, in whichever way you want to be, move forward if you feel stuck. So it's understanding that and, and reach out and get some help for it. I do have, offer a complimentary 30 minute call um, with myself. So if anybody wants to reach out and have a chat with me, I'm quite happy to have a chat with them to see where I can help them. Brilliant. So how can people get hold of you, Brooke? We'll put all your links anyway on in the show notes. But if you can let us know where. where yeah, do you I've them? got a free Facebook group called the Confidence Community. And it's it and the subtitle is um, Confident to be you to have to be seen to be heard and have fun because it's really important for me to people to have fun because we didn't have a lot of fun we've had a traumatic childhood or you can um reach me on instagram um brook bounds on instagram because there's only one brook bounds and also on um if you want to email me brook at brookbounds.com brilliant like i said we'll put all your links under the show notes um but it's been an absolute pleasure just chatting to you today diving into this super interesting and powerful topic and yeah we're gonna to have to have a take two i think and apart yeah, two, just deep, be great deeper because i've got i was scribbling down loads of things on my notebook and think oh, i want to go back to that i want to go back to that um so yeah a take two would be amazing but thank you so much i'd love to come back thank you for having me Thank you so much for listening to the Smash Your Unsealing podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it'd be great if you could hit the subscribe button and leave a review as it helps me to reach a lot more people. And if you know someone who would benefit from having a listen, please feel free to share. Have an amazing day and I'll see you next time.